right. Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon and happy holidays, everyone. This is the It Cast Real Talk on Sex, and I'm your host, Nika Shirell. The It Cast is our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. You can support the ITCAST and all of the work we do by visiting theitcast.com and also subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. This week's topic is Real Talk on Kink for the Curious. And we have Sylvie B in the booth with us. Sylvie of Sex and Sensibility is a Somatica Institute trained sex and relationship coach with a background in neuroscience and a passion for women's health, sexuality, and the healing power of kink. All right, Sylvie, join us in the booth. Hi, Nika. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. It's an honor. Thank you. Um, so first, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, so that intro was pretty spot on. Uh, so I'm Sylvie and I am a relationship coach and I have been trained in the Somatica Method uh, from the Somatica Institute, which is based here in the Bay Area where, where I am based. And uh, like you said, I have a background in neuroscience. I have also done uh, some hypnotherapy in the past, and I do that sometimes still with clients. And I'm really about trying to bring them back into their senses. So whether that's, you know, we, we all have, have five senses and, and often we go through our day without really noticing them. And whether it's in sex, relationships, or even just enjoying your day-to-day life, coming back into your senses is a way to really up-level your experience and to just enjoy everything that little bit more by focusing in on it. Uh, So that's something that I do a lot of with my clients. Uh, I work with couples, I work with individuals, and I'm also a mom. I have two small children. Uh, So I talk a lot about how birth and and pregnancy and you know postpartum has affected uh, my journey, sexual and otherwise. Uh, and I'm always happy to help to help other women deal with the aftermath of that because a lot of times society does not prepare us very well. Um, it's just sort of a given, like a woman will give birth and then whatever. Like we don't really talk about the aftermath of that very much. So that is uh, something that I work with a lot. Um, Yes. And, and kink obviously is, is a big passion of mine. Uh, so I, I like to talk about kink for the curious because we were all baby kinksters once, right? Yes. So we all, anyone who's in the kink community got introduced to it somehow and found their way into it some, some sort of way. But uh, a lot of people are hesitant or they don't really know anyone who, who might invite them along to a play party or who might Uh, induct them to the scene and so they go to sources that may be a little bit questionable to learn about it some of them found it on you know 50 shades of gray or or, you know read some erotic fan fiction that they were like oh you know this is and that's a great way to get to get interested but it's not necessarily a great way to learn the right way to do things so that's that's something that I'm very passionate about is uh, is talking to people about about kink and about how to get into it safely and cheaply and effectively uh, and how to bring these things up with with their partners and so on. I love that. I love that. And I really, you know, 
I don't get it personally, but I I have heard and people have definitely (laughs) told me about like the stuff that happens after pregnancy. And I'm like, you know, that is real. I, I'm like, we have to do an episode on that actually. Um, and I see where it can like bring you, like where you would need to be brought back into your sexuality and back into like your, your body in a way that's completely new. Um, yeah. I mean, the medical community doesn't even take it seriously. I, I remember after you know giving birth, it was, you know, you go for your six week checkup and they tell you, yep, you're good to have intercourse again. And that's it. You know, they just like check, check mark. You, like you can, and so I, I did, I was very excited to go off and have intercourse again. I've been waiting for a while and, um, and it was, and it was awful. It was so, it was painful and it was, and it was awful. It wasn't how I remembered it. And, um, and I went marching right back into my doctor's office and I said, there's something wrong. There's something really, really wrong. Uh, it hurts like sex hurts. And he was kind of like, Oh, well, you just had a baby. And I said, well, you know, you told me that I was cleared for intercourse, but there's something terribly wrong. I, I know, I know my body. And that was not, it was not pleasurable. And he just kind of went, well, you know, you're a mom now. And it's like, what? Wow. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> what? <laughs> and you know, what that points to is like painful sex for women is often disregarded as something that's normal and typical. And we don't actually step back and look at like, well, why is that? And what can we do to, to shift that conversation? It's just like, oh yeah, no big deal. Yeah. And you know, shouldn't you be concentrating on your baby? You know, you have a baby now. Surely that's what's important. Because this is how women get trivialized in today's, in today's America, in today's society. It's just, you know, you know, be a mom, go be a good mom and stop thinking about yourself, please. Wow. Oh, mom shaming. Yeah. Um, So that's why I'm, I'm the woman who runs after, um, I see new moms pushing their strollers and I'll run after them in the park and be like, hi, are you having painful sex? Are you still leaking? And they're like, uh, I'm sorry, who are you? Please leave, leave me alone. And I'm like, you don't have to have painful sex. I hope you're not still leaking. You can fix that. And they're like, please back away. Please back away from me, lady. Oh my God. There's, but you know, like, okay, no maybe no strangers, but I love that. <laughs> Help needs to be out there somewhere. No one else is telling them. And I'm just like, you know, like if you want to have a conversation, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and some of them do, and some of them are like, "Please leave me alone," <laughs> and that's fine too. <laughs> uh, um, so this is great. So I'm actually, gosh, well, you mentioned that like we were all baby kinksters, and one of the questions I have is like, "What is kink, and how does someone know they're kinky?" Like, I mean, so I posted a story about it on Instagram yesterday because I get that question all the time. Like people are like, how do I know if I'm kinky? And I'm like, do you think you're kinky? And they're like, I don't know. And it's like, well, you know, talk to me about your fancies a little bit or like talk to me about, you know, I think as, I think as kids, we all kind of have some idea of our sexuality and then we sort of have an idea of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And we hide parts of us that we think is are not acceptable. So I, I definitely remember even like as my, one of my first experiences was watching Dracula when I was about eight years old. Cause you know, parents in the eighties, they just let you watch all kinds of crap when you're, <laughs> I can't imagine today letting my, like, you know, my, I have a six-year-old. I can't imagine in two years letting him watch Dracula. But anyway, um, parents in the eighties were weird. Um, and I remember watching Dracula and, and just having these, these feelings where I was like, 
I, and I knew that I shouldn't tell anyone mm. or ask anyone about these, these strange sensations that I was having as I was watching it. And then I remember the year later watching Edward Scissorhands and again, sort of getting like, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Like that reaction. That's what I felt when I was nine watching it. And I couldn't quite understand the odd feeling that I was like something. I was very drawn to it. Like the very first boyfriend I went out and found totally reminded me of Edward Switzerland's. It was like, ah, oh, yay. <laughs> right. Uh, yep. <laughs> and, you know, and then it just continued like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Interview with a Vampire and like all of those things that I like, I, I just, and I just wanted to watch them. And if my parents came to the room, I would switch it off. Like, and I didn't know why. I just like, I, there was something about it that I was like, I don't want them to see me enjoying watching this. And I didn't even know what I was exactly enjoying. Hmm. But I just remember that that there was a feeling in me that someone shouldn't know that I like this because this is somewhat non-acceptable and I didn't even know what the non-acceptable part of it was because it wasn't very linked to anything sexual in my mind yet at that point I was too young to really know but Mm -hmm. I just knew that there was something that I shouldn't tell you and it was kind of shameful and yeah what's interesting about that is that there's like there is a realm of potential like sexual shame because it's like you know if you are present to these things turning you on but then there's like the religious and cultural shaming of like well they're fun entertaining things but if you get into them then like it's a dark thing that you're not supposed to do and like so there it's I'm hearing like it's actually pretty layered um Yeah. yeah Yeah, but even, you know, just I was fascinated with this whole, like, you know, watching them getting their necks bitten and nobody seemed to not enjoy it. Like, they seemed to be like, no, don't bite me. Here's my neck. And it was like, all right. Well, she didn't really seem to not want that. That's um, fair. <laughs> and, you know, and then I remember, like, there was a there was a, a girl in my in my in my middle school and she was she was this like weird goth kid no one would talk to her and I was also a weird kid no one would talk to me I wasn't goth just no one would talk to me because I was a weird kid um and I thought like I I really liked I was very drawn to this goth girl and I would sit with her every day at lunch and she would ignore me completely and she had a pet rat as well which she would bring with her everywhere and um I would sit with her at lunch and I'd you know have conversations with her and she would just death stare me until I picked up my tray and left eventually and one day she just sort of said can I bite your neck and I was like uh Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would really, I would like that. That would be great. Right. Right now. Do you want to do like, No. She was like, I'll come to your house and I'll bite your neck for my ritual. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, you want to come like today? And she was like, no, I will come tomorrow. And I was like, okay, fine. So she came around to my house, you know, and my mom was like, Sylvie, your friend is here. And I, my mom's face when this girl showed up. And, and I was like, okay, cool. And, you know, she came up to my room and we sat there very awkwardly on my bed for about five minutes. And then she said, I'm going to do it now. And I was like, okay. And she, you know, she like took my neck and she didn't bite very hard at all. I didn't even have a hickey literally, but you know, she kind of did that for a few minutes and, and then she got up and she said, okay, the ritual is done and I'm going to leave. And then she did, she left. And I was like, so excited. I was like, that was the best moment of my whole life so far (laughs) it was like literally the most erotic moment of my like childhood um but I mean these are these are those moments that I think back to when when people like how did you know you were kinky and it's like well probably probably that that was probably a good good indication (laughs) something something there um 
and and you know and then and then you experiment with different things and you're like do I like this do I like that you know do I you know I I'll also get the question all the time I'm like I am kinky but I don't know if I like pain and it's like first of all we put up with a lot of pain every day in our regular lives so don't tell me you don't yeah. like pain like yeah. we go for like deep tissue massage like is that not painful like people are like oh it hurts so good but I always right. go back like okay you know but then you're telling me you don't like pain and king it's like do you re- like what do you th- like you get to choose your level it's right you get you have to go in at a level 10 or anything um so so those are always interesting discussions for me and I'm always because because I didn't have anyone to 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 bring me into that space I kind of had to bring myself into it and mm-hmm. my you know my poor long-suffering partner has had to deal with me going can you do this to me or can we do this or can I do this to you and he's like oh no uh well, I don't know why why do you want to do that and so I had to do all of that awkwardness by myself and because I'm an awkward person I guess and because I don't really care if other people think I'm awkward that was fine but there are a lot of people that that do care and that they are worried that their partner is going to judge them yeah and that they're concerned that like the people in their life won't want them in their life anymore if they know this terrible secret about them or if they know that they're you know they're interested in some things that may be out of the mainstream and I don't want people to feel like that I want them to think to feel like they're normal and they're beautiful and their desires are beautiful. And, you know, the whole thing about kink is that you should be able to share your desires and needs with your partner or partners or yourself even, and have them met. That is like the baseline of kink. No matter what your, your desires and needs are, there should be some way that you can get those needs met and be able to express them at least and have those have that expression well received. Yeah. Uh, we have a question in the chat. It says kink is often tied to sex, but isn't really, is it? Not always? <laughs> no, kink and sex is not synonymous. Just like kink and pain is not synonymous. Uh, you know, you don't have to have sex at all to be kinky ever. Like you, like I tell people there's no kink police. It's not like somebody comes and is like, oh, well, we're going to take away your kink card now. And there, there are sex police. There are sex police. You shouldn't do it that way. Don't behave that way. (laughs) Right. People are constantly policing other people's sex. Yeah. And that, and that's so judgy. And people do it in all kinds of communities. Like in the polyamorous community, I see it all the time as well. Of like, oh, you can only be poly this way and this way. And this is not acceptable. And it's like, you know what? Does it work for you? Like, is it working for you? And are people choosing to be with you of their own free will because they're cool with what you want? And if they are, then great, then leave them alone. And, you know, like all of these things about it has to be done this way and this way. And if you're not doing it this way, then you're not a kind of a proper, proper polyamorous person. You're not a proper kinky person. It's like, that's very snobby. Yeah. It's very snobby. And it's very elitist, actually. And people have the right to like what they like. And if they find other people who like what they like and like doing things that way, then that's amazing. And I want to celebrate all the people who found partners who love doing what they like the way they like it. Yes. It's like, you're my kind of weird. (laughs) And everyone has a my kind of weird, right? Like every pot has its, has it, has its lid, whatever, lid. (laughs) 
I was like, what is, what does a pot have? A pot has I almost said kettle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that word went through my mind too. And I was like, that's wrong. The pot does not have a kettle. <laughs> Maybe it does. I don't know. Oh, but no, okay. you don't have to have sex to be kinky. You don't even, there are lots of people who are asexual who, who also define themselves as kinky. Um, kink is just what you mostly define it as. And it's, it's very interesting because when you try and find a definition for kink, because it, it can be so broad, right? Like, I mean, BDSM sits under the umbrella of kink, but it's its own thing, right? Like it's BDSM and kink is not synonymous either, right? So it just, kink is just this wide umbrella that it's like, you know, like if you go back 10 years ago, maybe having sex with a same-sex partner was was kinky, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that was outside of the norm, right? Anything that isn't, you know, heterosexual sex with one partner in the dark. Missionary uh, style you know, penis and vagina sex, like anything outside of that could be considered kinky to some people. You know, I love that you made the distinction that BDSM and kink are not synonymous and that one sits within the other. Because it's like when we hear something, our brain automatically goes to the stereotype of it. So it's right. like, oh, kink, that must mean whips and chains and planes and automobiles, like whatever it goes in the head. It's like... And those things are not the same. Um, I also wanted to talk about like your perception of pain and like the pain scale thing. So like, um, I remember one time I was like hitting my thighs cause they were kind of like knotted up and it was like, they were really sore and tense. And I probably would have got a massage, maybe not deep tissue if I could have. And someone saw me and they're like, why are you beating yourself? Doesn't that hurt? And I was like, oh, Oh, they think <laughs> I like pain. <laughs> and it was such an interesting like thing to see like someone's perception. And I, I didn't even know how to shift it. I was just like, okay. <laughs> um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and we all like pain to a certain extent. I, I don't know. Has like, do you know that feeling of like, sometimes when you have like a, like an inflamed gum or something and you're flossing and you just like press the floss even more into it because you're like oh, it hurts so good to do that I, I don't know like sometimes we lean into pain there are definitely moments we lean into it and don't tell me that people who train for like iron man and and half marathons that they don't like pain like right. you know, I run like oh. two minutes and I'm in pain <laughs> like those people are in pain all the time they just they've they've normalized it as a feeling that they also find pleasurable and also because you know you get a release of endorphins which is the whole point right like ask anyone in the bdsm community like what's up with the pain thing and they'll tell you because because you get this rush of endorphins which is yeah. the body's natural drugs that will make you feel high oh and that like and that's why people talk about like a runner's high as well. It's because right. basically those have kicked in. Right. Um, and you can get those from, you can get those from spanking. You can get those from, you, you can get those from a lot of different activities actually. And not all of them have to do with BDSM either. We, we all do things in our, in our lives that yeah. give us that little kick of endorphins. And you know, what's interesting. You talked about working out and I was like, oh yeah, feel, feel the burn and like, you know, breathe through the pain and like all those different things. Hurts and it's so like, good. Yeah. Hurts so good. And, and so I'm like, yeah, okay. Endorphins there. But then the other one that popped up was pain is beauty. Mm. It hurts um, to be beautiful. My mom used to tell me that all the time. <laughs> Such a toxic <laughs> narrative, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's interesting, like, because we've normalized pain in that way where it's, and I don't know if you actually get endorphins from that kind of pain, but it's, it's so, it's something that we don't look at as atypical or abnormal. Right. And also pain is a judgment. Like not everyone, that, that's the thing, like, you know, it's, it's something that our, our brain has decided, like from a neuroscience perspective, we've decided that a certain set of sensations to us very individually hurt are painful and our brain has made that it's like oh if I get this sensation and this sensation and this sensation at the same time I'm going to call it pain Mm. right but but we get to decide and that's when it comes back to somatics again just take everything strip everything back from this big wide label of pain you know like we have this wide label of kink we also have a wide label of pain like stubbing your toe is not the same kind of pain as like a slap right like there was like if you think about the sensational differences, like what does it feel like? They feel very different. But then go back to the actual sensations. Does it feel thuddy? Does it feel stingy? Does heat radiate from the spot of impact? Uh, does it feel achy? Uh, is it intermittently uh, pulsing? It, there's all kinds of things that, does it feel very cold? Like what if someone puts like an ice cube on your nipple? Like, you know, what does that sensation feel like? And if, again, if you just go back into the sensation of what are the sensations and are there any parts of this sensation that I actually enjoy? Like maybe there are parts of it that are intense. Maybe there are parts of it that I don't enjoy. Like there are certain types of sensation that I'm like, "Mm, I don't love that type of sensation. But having a judgment on it immediately and being like, that's painful. That is a judgment. That is not a feeling of the sensation. And it's not discerning of the sensation and it's not a fact that's right that's really interesting yeah and you can change your pain style I actually remember you know to bring it back to the childbirth thing again I I told um my midwife when I was pregnant I was like I'm very afraid of childbirth I'm very afraid that's gonna hurt and she went you're very afraid of sensation and I said well I'm very I don't I mean it sounds like very painful and she was like, some women have a lot of pleasure giving birth. I was like, that, that sounds like a huge lie. And she was like, no, I can show you videos of like women who like, you know, have orgasmic births. And I was like, huh. And she's like, you get to decide what sensations you find pleasurable. And you get to retrain your brain. And the brain is amazing. That you can retrain your brain to just find pleasure in various sensations that you might not have found pleasure in before just by focusing on them. And just by, again, passing them and to the different little parts of like stinginess, heat, throbbing, uh, pulsing, like whatever it is. And just being like, oh, it's, it's this stingy sensation. It's not painful. It's a stingy sensation. Right. Is there anything I like about the stingy sensation? Can I lean into the stingy sensation? And that, that's what it is. And, you know, that's, there are some people who, who don't get anesthetic at the dentist's because they just, they do self-hypnosis and they, you know, they tell themselves, I am going to like get through this with the power of my mind. And they do. Yeah. And, you know, I have definitely heard that, um, you know, one of my brothers does that really well. Like it's, it's a, a it's a reframing of it. Um, in the chat, we have someone who actually said that was they that happened that orgasmic birth um, and, you know, that self-hypnosis conversation. So, I'm when you said that, I actually looked at it, I was like, oh, it's kind of like getting used to spicy food. Mm-hmm. 
Like, <laughs> like I yeah. love spicy food, but like the first time I had it, it was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. And you have to just really find like, what part of it do you like? What part of it feels good? Like even, you know, like, you know, again, if you get a mosquito bite or something and you itch it and itch it and itch it, like there's a part of the itching it that feels kind of good. Like that's why you keep doing it, even though you know it's gonna just hurt more afterwards. Some people break skin scratching because there's there is something about the sensation that feels good, that feels like something you want to do. Mm. Um, but again, like you know, if you take the sensation just as like this blanket label and you're gonna put a judgment on it, probably you'll find it less pleasurable than if you just get curious just get curious about the sensation mm-hmm. and that's what happens you know when when you talk about meditation and everything else and they always say in meditation you know like don't judge your thoughts just be curious about your thoughts and it's like what do you mean be curious about my thoughts that's what it means it means like don't say i'm feeling bad i'm feeling sad i'm feeling just get a little bit more granular about it like i'm feeling heaviness in my chest and my heart feels like it's sunk into my stomach a little bit. And it's very hard to move my limbs because they just feel very heavy, right? Like that is, that is a way of describing sadness that isn't saying I'm sad because it's just getting a little bit more granular about those mm. feelings. And we can get granular about any kind of feeling. Then just saying like, oh, that's interesting that my heart feels like it's in my stomach because because it isn't. Like hearts do not actually literally sink. But it <laughs> right. feels... But it feels like that. Isn't it interesting that that it feels like my heart has actually dropped into my stomach? Yeah. Huh. I wonder how my body does that. That's so interesting. And that already puts us in a different frame of mind. Because we're scientists of ourselves then. We're scientists of our own thoughts. And we're scientists of our own physiological process. Wow. That's, that's very real. I've definitely... I've definitely like, I, and we've all felt those sensations, you know, like there's not really butterflies there, but like right. <laughs> right. to feel the emotion and then to label the emotion um, or, and I think labeling it actually isn't as granular as the feeling it. Like I, I don't like it. There's a dissection. Um, that's, that's really cool. And there, you know, there are tricks like public speakers use them all the time to, to reframe your sensations. I know that when people do public speaking, you know, if you ever watched Tony Robbins, like he looks like a, a crazy person before he gets on stage and he jumps on his trampoline and he beats his chest, like, you know, and it's like, okay, <laughs> chill, chill out. But, you know, but that is, you know, he tells himself that he is pumped. Mm-hmm. Other people standing in that situation might tell themselves like, oh, I have stage fright because mm-hmm. my heart is beating, my cheeks are flushing, my, um, like my adrenaline is high. I have this tingling sensation throughout my whole body. I'm sweating. And so someone might say in that situation, I have stage fright. I am terrified. And someone else like Tony Robbins in that situation or whoever will be like, oh, I'm not terrified. I'm pumped because it's the same. They're the same set of physiological reactions that happen. It's the interpretation that's different. I'm totally taking a page from that playbook. Like I, I, I've heard the like, oh, nervousness is excitement and that there's some reality to that. And I feel like that's kind of like the, 
little kids version of like this shift in total paradigm and being able to step back, see it and allow it to be something else. Yeah. Like, yeah. Be curious about it and ask yourself, like, am I actually nervous or am I just really pumped? Right. And then you get to decide. You get to decide, like, no, actually, I'm pumped. I'm actually pumped. Because it's the same same set of physiology. Like, it's exactly the same thing. Your brain is just asking you the question. It's like, oh, the body's sending me all these signals. Quick, Mm -hmm. I need to make a decision. What am I? And if you let your brain tell you, like, I'm terrified or I'm in pain, your brain will be like, okay, let's go with that. And if you're telling your brain, like, oh, I'm actually having like intense sensations right now and I enjoy them. Your brain can be like, okay, cool. Like your brain doesn't have time. It's doing a lot of different things. Like the brain is doing so many things at the same time. It's actually just looking to you to give it an instruction. Like, what should I be feeling right now? And then you tell it, it should be feeling really good. And the brain's like, okay, cool. And then it moves on to the next task. You have to, you have to lead your brain or your brain will lead you. And your brain doesn't have time. It will just choose the nearest label it has. And if that nearest label is pain, it'll take pain and it'll slap it on almost everything. Wow. You lead your brain and you'll find that your pain, uh, your pain scale actually, you know, your tolerance will dramatically increase. That's, oh, wow. Okay. All right. So those are some tips. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and so I want to shift to the topic of negotiations. Like we're near the holidays. And one of the things I put out there is like, well, what do you want for Christmas? (laughs) Uh, Well, I am a big proponent of um, not having to spend tons of money to show people that you love them all the time. I think we're in this culture right now where it's like, you know, if you're not spending this amount of money or if, if you're not buying something very expensive, then you clearly don't care for this person. It's like, you know what? All I want for Christmas or for Hanukkah in my case, because I'm Jewish. Um, but all I want is for my partners to tell me their fantasies. Like, I feel like that's such a gift. If, you know, if my partners sit me down and they're like, all right, I'm going to tell you a fantasy I've never told anyone before. Like, I would rather that than like any amount of like expensive perfume or jewelry or diamond, whatever. Like, I don't care about any of those things, but the gift of a partner telling you exactly what they want and what they love and what turns them on, that is a gift. Wow. That's real. Like it, it brings about more intimacy. Yeah. And like that, that's something that lasts. Yeah. And imagine being able to also share your fantasy, like share a fantasy that you've never shared with anyone, with someone and how that would feel for you too. Like to feel like this person, you know, to have it received and have that person be like, oh my gosh, that's hot. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And like that feeling, like I can even imagine it now, like being able to share a fantasy with someone and for them to like, to see their eyes light up and to see them being like, oh my gosh that's like the hottest thing I've ever heard to have that validation of a fantasy that's a gift for every, every everyone wins from that gift yeah like, that's the gift we should all be giving each other for for the holidays like just tell someone something meaningful and have it well received oh, that's beautiful that's beautiful um so what do you do in response to someone's fantasy if it's not your thing? 
So never yuck somebody's yum, right? So if, um, you know, and there's lots of things that people aren't necessarily into. Um, you know, some people, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. There's, there's all kinds, you know, you go on FetLife and you look for a fetish and I guarantee you, you will find it. Like there is a fetish for everything. 100%. Like, you know, drinking tea is probably a fetish to some people. It is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have been to tea ceremonies. It totally is. Yeah, right? Like there's, there's a, a real slowness, slowness and sensuality about it. It can be very hot. But there's, you know, there's a fancy for everything, for everyone. There's a kettle for every pot, as we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, or a lid for every pot even. Um, but no, I mean, there, there is. There's, you know, so, so if somebody shares something and it's, and it's just not for you, you could just say something like, wow, I can see how that's super hot for you. Like, tell me about why that's hot for you. Because you're not, you're not saying like, oh, that's super hot for me too. You don't have to lie. You don't have to be like, I'm going to fake like loving this fetish or whatever that I'm not into. But you could be like, oh, that's so interesting that you're into that. Like, tell me more about that. Like, how did you get into it? Be curious. Like, that's why I call my course Kink for the Curious because curiosity is the most attractive thing that you can ever find in another person because everyone likes to talk about themselves and everybody likes to tell you their origin story, right? Like their superhero Genesis story, <laughs> Genesis story, like why am I, how I am. And if you ask, if you're not into something that someone wants, then you just ask them why they're into it. And that's, that's also validating because mm. then they get to like explain something or even if they get to say like, I don't know. And you could be like, but it's so interesting. Wow, it's so interesting that you shared that. Thank you for sharing it. And I feel so much closer to you now, knowing that about you and that you felt safe enough to share that with me. That makes me feel very close to you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, tell us about the Kink for the Curious course. Here's yeah. <laughs> so uh, it launches in, in mid-January and it's really been a labor of love for me. I, I started out because, you know, a few of my friends and I were talking about, about Kink for the Curious and all of them were saying like, oh yeah, it's been really hard to get into that community. Like, first of all, it's very expensive. All these, there's a lot of classes. They're typically geared towards more advanced people for a start. Second of all, they cost money. Like any, any of these courses and not everyone has the money to like go to a workshop on choking, on safe choking or, you know, like, vlogging or whatever else and then you have to actually buy the equipment and there's and people are like wow being kinky is expensive and I was like no it isn't you don't it doesn't have to be and and then I sort of went on this mission and I and I would just go on this rant about it all the time and uh, and I actually met a, a journalist who was like oh I want to write a piece about it and I was like sure and I gave her this whole info and she was like okay I work for Cosmo and Cosmo wants you to do a webinar on this and I was like oh oh my gosh like so did one of those. And then I was like, okay, well now I have to come up with this course. So I started, you know, doing this and people just responded so well to it. And I'm, I'm really lucky that I actually don't have to pull it off completely alone. So I have a really uh, incredible course co-creator by the name of uh, Sweet Pea. Uh, she's actually an internationally renowned burlesque superstar and dominatrix. Uh, although she goes by Queen Pea in the dominatrix space. Um, and she actually pioneered Minneapolis's neo-burlesque movement. Mm -hmm. And she not only performs there in the US and worldwide, but she also uh, mentors tons of performers. And, and she runs these amazing Kinky Friday events every month. 
And she took these events um, from, so they were founded by latex legend, uh, Jean Bardot. And she handed it over to Sweet Pea. And when Sweet Pea got these events, they had about 30 to 40 people every month. And Sweet Pea has now taken them to 300 to 500 people shows. And she makes them very, very accessible to any level of kinkster, even people who've never done anything kinky before in their lives. And even people who maybe just want to watch, maybe they just want to go to a show and watch someone being flogged. Maybe they don't want to, you know, be on stage. Maybe they don't want to have anything done to them. Voyeurism is definitely a kink. Right. And, and it sort of provides this low risk environment where you're, you know, you don't actually have to do anything. It's like burlesque, right? Like you can go and enjoy watching a burlesque show without, you know, having to say like you went to a strip club or that you enjoy strip tease, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like this more accessible way for people to get into it where they can be like, oh yeah, that's something I like and that's something I enjoy, but it's like lower risk for them. Yeah, It's more socially acceptable. It, it makes them feel like they can do it without having to, you know, to expose themselves too much. So I'm very lucky to have to have her as a course create co creator with me, that, and yeah. um, I'm super psyched to be launching this course in January. Um, and yeah, anyone who wants to, and it, it is it is for the the newbies. It is not for people who have dabbled in BDSM in the past. And no, it's not. It's for people who they don't even know how to articulate their fantasies yet, and we go through that too. Like, how do you tell a partner that you might have some kinky desires? Let's practice how you say that. Let's practice getting comfortable with what you actually want. We talk about the yes, no, maybe list, Mm -hmm. right? Which is a thing that we all know about in the kink community, but people outside the kink community don't know about yes, no, maybe lists. Right. And so it's like introducing those. And what are the feelings that you want to feel during, during a session, not just during sex, but like, why why are you drawn to certain things let's talk about the feelings that you want to get you you know some people call them kernel kinks uh in somatica we call them core desires what is your core desired feeling to have do you want to feel worshipped do you want to feel um humiliated do you want to feel used do you want to feel uh you know you know there's all kinds do you want to feel loved do you want to feel connected do you want to feel like there's all these feelings that we go to that, you know, in our, in our lives, but we don't exactly, we never name it. Like why, why do we want to feel a certain way? Yeah. And, um, and so we get really granular about that in the course. And, and just from that, then we, we go into, okay, now let's talk about your desires. Now let's talk about how to ask for those desires. Now let's talk about how to negotiate these things safely. Now let's talk about things like safe words. Now let's talk about just all of these things that are very basic. And for some, you know, practitioners, that's a little boring. They're like, oh, why do you want to work with total newbies? And it's like, I love, I love working with the newbies. We were all newbies. Yes, exactly. And like, I love the kink 101 space because when someone is brought into the community with an understanding of the community, less harm is caused for yeah. them and for the people that they're playing with. And it makes a huge difference. Um, I would love to get that info out to the listeners and the people in the chat as well. So like, uh, 
Queen P and the, yeah. the parties and the, all the jazz. Um, well, and- I will be filming with her next week. I'm going up to Minneapolis and we're going to be posting a lot of behind the scenes um, footage. So if you follow my Instagram account, uh, all of the information on the course, I'm also running a kink advent calendar for every day of December where we post um, BDSM tips and kink tips and, you know, and, and lots of information about the course. And so for every day of December, there's going to be another, another little kink tidbit uh, to post. And uh, yeah, next week when I'm in Minneapolis, we'll be posting a lot of, you know, like dungeon things. And I'm sure Queen P herself will, uh, will grace us with some, some kinky tips on, on there as well. Beautiful. Um, so in the conversation around like the kink 101 and understanding the language and the environment and the rules, um, I want us to spend a little time talking about consent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, really have, yeah, just creating that conversation for understanding that there, that kink is a completely consensual conversation. Yes. And it's ongoing and not just kink. I mean, everything. <laughs> so, you know, I, we were talking the other day, you and I, Mika, and I was telling you about my, my, my boys, they're four and six years old. And when they play with each other, you know, because we've taught them the language of consent. And so they, they have very strange conversations where one of them will say, do I have consent to play with your Captain America? And the other one will say, only if I have consent to play with your Batman. And then the other one's like, well, you can play with my Batman, but the rule is you can use my Batman only for two minutes. And that is my, that is like, and then the other one will be like, I agree. And then they'll go off and they'll play, right? Or sometimes when they're roughhousing with each other, they'll, they'll use their safe word. So, and they have a safe word with us and they have a safe word with each other because, you know, we always tease them. We're always like, you know, ouch is not a safe word. You know, if you want to use your safe word, use a safe word or like, you know, no is not necessarily good. It's not a good safe word. And so, you know, when you're tickling a kid, you tickle them and tickle them and they can be like, no, no, no. And then if you stop then they're like, keep tickling me. And you're like, but you said no. And they're like, keep tickling me. And you're like, right. right. <laughs> well, then you really need to have a safe word so that I really know when to stop tickling you. So they do now. So my, ki- my kid's safe word is, it's not a particularly good one in my opinion, but I'm not going to judge them. Their safe word is quit. So they say no if they don't mean no, but they say quit when they really mean quit. So, you know, and, and if kids can learn the concept of consent and safe words, then adults can talk, can talk about consent. And I get a lot of couples who are like, oh, but it's not sexy. Like if I have to stop and ask for consent all the time, it's going to kill the mood. And it's like, you know what kills the mood when you're doing something that your partner doesn't like and it's not consensual anymore. That yeah. that's a real mood killer right there. And they and don't know how to tell killer. you. Yeah. Yeah. They don't yeah. know how to communicate that. And um, I read this article that was like, you know, consent is mandatory. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not there, and if you don't know whether it's there or not, then you're not actually in a conversation around consent. Like, yeah. And it's, and it's ongoing and you have to, keep, you have to keep asking. There was a brilliant campaign in the UK a couple of years back, uh, which had something, it was called something like, uh, consent is like a cup of tea, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those videos where it's like, you know, you ask someone like, hello, would you like a cup of tea? And if that person's like, yes, I would like a cup of tea, then you make them a cup of tea. But, you know, if you give them the cup of tea and then they're like, oh, I've changed my mind. I don't want the cup of tea. You're not like, drink my tea. I made it for you. Drink it. Like that, that's rude. Or if the person fell asleep before you got them a cup of tea, you don't open their mouth and pour the tea into their mouth while they're asleep. That would be very strange. 
So you have to think about consent in the same way that you would think about, you know, somebody saying like, yes, I'd like a cup of tea. They have the right to change their mind. They have the right to fall asleep. They have the right to only drink half of the cup of tea that you made them. They, you know, like they have the right to take a sip of the cup of tea and say, oh, I don't like this cup of tea. Yeah, fine. All of that is fine. Like, and there has to be like an ongoing dialogue. Like consent is just a dialogue. When people tell me they don't want to have an ongoing consent conversation because it's not sexy. That to me is just like, oh, you don't want to have a dialogue with the person you care about because that's what consent is. It's an ongoing dialogue. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, It's communication. It's like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be in communication. You don't want to be connected with whomever you're partnering with. Yeah. And that's not sexy. Mm -mm. Not even a little bit. Um, See, we talked about the elitism. Oh, 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 sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching you get excited. Makes me excited. (laughs) Can we talk about scavenger hunts and pervertibles? Oh, yeah. Pervertibles are some of my favorite things. Because, you know, like we said before, can can, you know, people have this idea that it can be very expensive, right? That you have to be Christian Grey with a dungeon and a red, you know, his red room, and it's probably fully stocked of like, you know, and people will tell me all the time, like, you know, like, um, should I buy like the buffalo flogger or the cowhide flogger? And I'm like, like, I don't like it doesn't matter. And they're like, because the, the buffalo one is like a hundred dollars more expensive. And I'm like, this is your first flogger. Like, why do you like I don't understand? Like, it's we have it in our minds that these things have to be so expensive. Mm-hmm. And you don't actually need any equipment to be kinky. You don't need any. Uh, and when I tell people that, they're like, oh, but you know, like, what if I really want to like have those claws that I can use on my partner's back? And it's like, do you use utensils when you eat? And they're like, yeah. It's like, oh, so I assume you have forks in your house. And they're like, yes. And it's like, interesting sensation. The feeling of a fork going down your back is like the nails, the claws that you can buy. The same, same kind of sensation, really. Like, go get a fork and then see if your partner even likes that sensation before you would invest in like, bunch of wolverine claws you know like there are so many things around our houses electric toothbrushes do you know how many things you can do with an electric toothbrush that feel interesting i I can imagine (laughs) yeah i mean you know maybe you want to get a replacement head for it after you've tickled your partner's balls with an electric toothbrush but you know maybe you don't i don't know maybe that's your kink um maybe you make your partner brush his teeth with his electric toothbrush after you've used it on him i don't know just make sure that you're like washing everything properly afterwards. Um, but there's a lot of things that you can find in your house, um, you know, that, that, that don't cost anything because you've already got it. Yeah. And, you know, you don't need to be going out and spending hundreds and hundreds or even thousands of dollars on equipment when you have a bunch of stuff in your house that you can use, you know, pop some, some ice in the freezer and see how that feels. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you can do with just, you know, I actually challenge whoever's watching right now, like make a very quick list of like some things that you've got on your desk right now that might feel really interesting as a sensation on yourself or on your partner. Hmm. Maybe, you know, I don't know, like even pens, right? Like a lot of people are into like, you know, writing things on their partner, like, oh. you know, so you can like, oh, yeah, you can. Sorry, like, you just gave me ideas. <laughs> there's all kinds of like interesting things, lotions. You know, you could like 
put lotion in the, it, it, a lot of people have like aloe vera or whatever, like pop it in the fridge and then take it out and then, then, you know, write your name on your partner's back in lotion. Wow. Or like along, or like the knee pits, the knee pit has so many nerve endings in it. Like anything you do to the knee pit feels like crazy, but you know, you could, there's so many different things that you can do um, that, that just create a ton of sensation without, without having to spend a dime. Yeah. Dirty talk, dirty talk can be really kinky and doesn't cost you anything. That is fair. <laughs> yeah. I was in a, I was in a dungeon a uh, week or so ago and I literally, it was one of those fancy ones, but I saw someone with a rolling pin. It was like the kind that don't have the handles, but I was like, I know what that is. Yeah. And it's so cool. It's like, you're right. You can just kind of, you can stumble across anything that, that could be pervertible. Like yeah. there's a bunch of options. I'm going to try that fork thing too. Yeah. You have slippers at home. Usually they're like soft and whatever. Like you can slap someone with a slipper and that can feel kind of interesting. Um, you know, you have a bathrobe. It probably has a thing to tie it, right? You can tie someone's hand or a tie, right? Like you can have a, a male partner or a partner who, who wears ties, right? Like you can get a tie and like tie them up with that. You don't necessarily need to go out and buy fancy restraints or anything else. Like you just use what you have. And that's interesting together. And you can also, you know, do a, a pervertible scavenger hunt at home, like where you, you and your partner have like 10 minutes together, like, you know, however many things, and then you try them out on each other. Like make it fun, make it an activity that you do together that can be so much more connecting, so much more interesting, so much more creative than, you know, just going on Amazon and buying like the latest fancy equipment and whatever. And you can do that too if you want to, but you don't have to. And it doesn't make you a better kinkster if you do. Mm, I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, all right. On that note, is there like, what else can we share about I did have another question oh the scavenger hunt okay so I love what you actually brought up about that because what it brought to mind also was that negotiating and fantasy sharing it's like go get things that you like you want to try and see if your partner wants to try them too yeah because sometimes we don't know what we're into until we're even asked I mean it's like food sometimes like we, we know what we like because we know what we eat but sometimes someone's like, ooh, here, try this. And then, you know, sometimes if you know what it is, you're like, no, no, thank you. I don't like that. But if you don't know what something is and someone's like, here, take a bite and you taste it. You're like, mm, that's really good. Like, what is that? And then they'll tell you and you're like, that's interesting. I didn't think I would ever like that. But you don't know until you try. Like, and sometimes you do taste it and you're like, oh, not for me. Okay, cool. But again, like experiment, try stuff, figure stuff out together you know, be a team. Like, that's what I always tell my, the couples who come to me, like, be a team because that is sexy and fun. I mean, when we talk about play, like, you know, in the kink community, it's like, you know, there are play parties and like all of these things, they center around the word, word play because that's what this is. It's play for adults. Kids know how to play and play all the time and do it very unabashedly with no shame whatsoever. I mean, that is what they do. They play. And as adults, we kind of lose that sense of fun. And it's kind of like, oh, you know, like, what do you do for fun? Like, oh, I train for half marathons. Oh, for fun, I like, you know, 
I went and played golf with my friends. Like read, I read books and yes, <laughs> uh, I do crochet and it's like great, cool. All of that's great, but like, what do you do for like for fun? Like, how do you like how do you have fun together? Like, what is what do you have fun together doing? And then like discovering that like what is fun for us to do together. And not just like, you know, you can get these like date night kits and all of that. And I always find that like really, again, it's expensive. You just have to like, you can do so many things at home for free. And like, you can play wrestle at home. You can like, you know, go on scavenger hunts at home that you've created by yourself. You can like tie your partner up and play a game of like, what am I dripping on your back? You know, you can do all kinds of things that are really great fun and they don't have to be expensive at all. Yeah. I, um, I love what you're saying about play and I'm getting like, play is not the same as stimulation. Like a book can be mentally stimulating and that's great, but how playful is that? You know, it's like, I, I laid in the grass one day and just like looked up at the sky and I was like, I haven't done this since I was six. Why don't I do this more? Like, (laughs) Yeah. Just the, the simple pleasures of everyday life. You know, even just, you know, making yourself s'mores or like lighting some candles in your living room and making yourself s'mores over that. That's like a very pleasurable, you don't have to have a bonfire to do it. You can do it by yourself. Like there's all kinds of things that you can do to bring like a little bit of magic back into your life and into your, yeah, into your life, into your living room, just little sensual moments, you know, have a shower together and like give each other Santa Claus beards and laugh hysterically. Like, just laugh together again. Just laugh on your own. Laugh, laugh with your friends. Like bring pleasure and fun back into your life because so many, we're so serious. And I know we've just lived through a global pandemic and the world is falling to pieces and there's a lot to be miserable about. But that's why in these times we have to try even harder to find our joy and mm-hmm. to find the small things that make us laugh like children, that make us you know, like, yeah, look ridiculous and that make us smile and that, you know, like, you know, have, have a pillow fight, like, you know, randomly surprise your partner with a Nerf gun when they come home from work, like shoot them in the face with a Nerf gun, like, I don't know, <laughs> and then run away screaming, like, these things are funny, like, like and I, like, they don't, yeah, they don't take a lot of investment, it just takes a lot, like, it just takes the will to want to have fun again. Yeah. And we all need to have a bit more fun. Thank you. Thank you for that, Sylvie. Is there any other resource or tidbit that you want to share before we wrap up? I mean, I think you're an amazing resource. And I think people should definitely be watching your podcast because, you know, you bring together an amazing uh, number of people who talk about, about such incredible topics. And, you know, you yourself are so inspirational. So, I think that my top tip would be that people should definitely watch this podcast and participate and ask questions and, and send things in text. But, you know, just, just ask. If you have a question, ask. There are no dumb questions. Uh, I tell my kids that all the time. Like, if you, if you want to know something, like, you know, feel free. Just message. Um, and I'm always, I'm always happy to talk about, about King. I'm always happy to talk about, about, you know, childbirth, about body image, about any of that. Um, and I'm sure that you have things that you love it when people ask you about them too. So that's my, my main tip for everyone is be curious, ask questions, message people. Don't be afraid to, to sound 
unknowledgeable or ridiculous or whatever. We all sounded like that once. I still sound ridiculous very often, very often. I'm sure probably you watch this podcast and be like, oh God, I sound ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> well, that's life. We all yep. sound ridiculous and we all look ridiculous often. Like get used to it. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you so much. And thank you thank for you. the show. Yeah, this was this was amazing. And thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you, everyone out there who is joining us today. Uh, the ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Support the ITCAST and learn more about our work at theitcast.com. And as Sophie said, subscribe to this YouTube channel, watch the podcast, tell everybody you know. <laughs> We'll see you here next week.